0: Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. Stand up for your country. So what did President Biden do today? What was he up to? Let's take a look. Um, Two things. He usually has one or two. At 2.15, the president delivered remarks on the way forward in Afghanistan. U.S. troops will be out of there on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, September 11th. Then at 3.05, president visited Section 60 of Arlington National Cemetery. That is where uh, service members who died in recent conflicts, including Afghanistan, are buried. That was it. Uh, another, you know, not so intense day for President Biden. I guess he's pacing himself, waiting for uh, Vice President Harris to go to the border. Maybe she's going to go now. She says she might. We don't know when. And then when she does, he'll have to report back to President Biden. So he's probably pacing himself to rest up for that. All right. So how about you? How are you doing with your wallet? We went over personal finance yesterday. I hope you enjoyed that segment. I hope it did you some good. Don't waste money. You're going to need it. Gas prices on the rise. And this is because of President Biden attacking the oil industry. So in March, gas prices rose 9%. Nine percent in one month, um, and I told you this was going to happen. Um, gasoline is ninety-three cents higher than it was a year ago today. All right, ninety-three percent, and uh, the highest price in the country is San Francisco. They deserve it—about four dollars a gallon out there. So all the taxes and San Francisco's high prices in general. Lowest price in the nation: Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The capital city of the Bayou State. Okay, now let's go to another part of your wallet, grocery prices. I didn't know this, and I'm usually on it. I knew that energy prices, and where do you see your air conditioning bill? You guys in the south, in Arizona, where do you see it? All right, it's gonna be crazy. So grocery prices are up 2%, um, primarily fruits and vegetables, meat fish and eggs risen by a half percent well why is this happening why are grocery prices going up well it's associated with gas because the trucks that deliver the groceries have to pay more for gas so therefore the delivery prices go up and your grocery prices go up you see how it's all linked okay so this is going to get a lot worse Because when uh, President Biden submits his astronomical tax rise on corporations and and the affluent and I say astronomical, because if the corporate tax rate in America goes back to twenty nine percent or twenty eight percent, it will be one of the highest in the world in a developing world. So it's not like me. I'm not saying this This is the way it is. Um, So. Once that happens, then every industry is going to raise prices because they're not going to take a 7 8% haircut. They're going to pass the cost along to you. Now, you don't have to buy. And right now is a good time to buy a bunch of stuff because the interest rates are so low. But keep that in mind. It's coming. And your salary is not going up. In fact, people will start to get laid off after the pandemic surge. As I said, the pandemic surge is going to happen between now and November where people will be out, they'll be spending more money, uh, venues will be open, vacations will start up again, all that. But come November, if this price, if this tax rise kicks in, then you're going to start to see it, maybe after Christmas. Um, Now, once companies are taxed more, they cut back on hiring, and so salaries are going to go down. Remember, one of the hallmarks of the Trump economy was that the median salary range for everybody rose. And, you know, when you hear the progressives say, oh, the Trump economy just benefited the rich, that's a lie. Benefited working Americans most. The stock market was good, so that's what helped the rich. Okay, so uh, just recapping, you got to watch your money because the Biden administration is going to take as much from you, no matter how much you earn, as it can. It's got $5 trillion in new spending on the board. We got $27 trillion in debt now. So the socialism is in full swing. The government does everything, provides everything. And then you give the government most of what you have. That is what the progressives want. And Joe Biden's going along with it. So let's go to Minnesota. So the police officer who shot a 20-year-old... Uh, Dante, uh, she is now going to be charged. Her name is Kim Potter, uh, 26 years on the force. She's going to be charged with second degree manslaughter. Okay, so um, what is that? Basically, a person's culpable negligence violates another person by creating an unreasonable risk and consciously takes chances of causing death or great bodily harm to the other person so she'll be charged with that that's second degree manslaughter and if convicted she get 10 years in prison it's another very intense case the state of minnesota will bring it there's no doubt in my mind because it is a progressive state they're going to bring it so this woman who made a mistake she panicked now that i have Looked and looked and looked, I I see panic there. She panicked, 26 years on the force, and shot the uh, kid, and um, that should never have happened. Now, Fox News is reporting that Antifa has shown up in uh, Brooklyn, Minnesota. I don't know whether that's true. That's what they're reporting. I'm not surprised because. Antifa wants the country to be torn down, wants to burn the country. That's what Antifa wants. Let's keep that in mind because we have another segment coming up. So last night, the police arrested 60 people for rioting and other fences, all in Brooklyn, Minnesota. Crowd size is 800 to 1,000 people. All right. Now, the curfew is 7 p.m. to 6. They violated the curfew. They didn't do a lot of damage because the National Guard is out and they are keeping them away from, but they did some. Okay, so uh, 60 arrested, Antifa in the crowd, and this is ongoing. Hasn't gotten out of control because of the National Guard. Now, Dante Wright, the uh, young man who was killed uh, by Officer Potter, His story has not been told by the corporate media, which is corrupt, as you know. Now, I am not justifying anything. I'm not trying this case on television. I'm not indicting the police officer or condemning Dante Wright. I am telling you what is in play in this case. The reason the police wanted to cuff Mr. Wright and tried to do that is that he had an outstanding warrant That means he did not show up to a legal hearing. Mr. Wright was charged and released on $100,000 bail. That's a big ticket. That's $10,000 cash. He was charged with choking a woman and threatening her with a handgun and demanding that she give him $820 that she had on her person. Okay, that's a felony. That's what Mr. Wright was charged with. Now, think back. Did you hear that on any of the network news programs or the cable news programs outside of Fox? I didn't. Maybe you did. If you did, let me know, please. Okay? So this is a serious situation that once the police ran the plate of Dante Wright, that outstanding warrant on a serious charge came up. They had to arrest him or try. Then he tried to flee. Now, as I said yesterday, you don't shoot anybody unless they have a weapon. And that includes a knife. You don't shoot them for trying to flee because you have their information. You know who they are. You can get them in a more orderly, lay, orderly way later. If the police officers are in danger, then you can shoot. But not if the police officers not. And they weren't in danger, as a videotape clearly shows. Wright was trying to get away. All right, again, that's the situation in totality. I've given you all the facts of the case. So we are not going to try this case. That police officer I told you yesterday her whole life is ruined. Okay? And Dante Wright is dead. This is horrible. Nothing good about this. But for those of you writing to me, taking one side or another, I, don't, I wouldn't do that. As with the George Floyd case, let it unfold. I've been watching the Floyd defense. It's weak. Right? His lawyers don't have much. Uh, Chauvin's lawyers don't have much. And I expect a second-degree murder conviction in that case. I hope I'm wrong because I never want to see any police officer. All right. He has to be convicted of something, Chauvin. But do I want him to send 20 years in prison? No. I do not believe he intentionally meant to kill Mr. Floyd, but he's going to have to do some time. And that will happen, I believe, because the defense didn't have I don't know how much. OK, so there we are now. Um, the press in America is so corrupt at this point, it's not going to report anything that goes against the narrative that America is bad, that we're a racist country, that white people are bad, that the police are bad. If the narrative goes against that, it will not be reported. What a situation. Now, Frontline, PBS, used to be a great program. It is no longer. So Frontline does a show last night called American Insurrection. It looks looks at the threats to America from extremist groups. So if you were a balanced presentation, you do both the right and the left. That didn't happen. It was just the right, as I knew it would be. I assigned my producers, I said, watch this show, because I didn't have time to do it, and I guarantee you it's all going to be threats from the right, none from the left. And that's exactly what happened. Roll the tape. Does Antifa exist? It's not an organization, it's a movement. You have groups of people that associate with them. Do they show up at protests? Sure. Is it a massive conspiracy to overthrow the U.S. government and kill a lot of people? No. You know where that is? It's on the right. It's in the white supremacist movement. Not a bunch of garbage. So I guess that woman misses Portland, Oregon, misses Seattle, misses Minneapolis, that doesn't quite get that Portland, Oregon is being burned to the ground, that Seattle Whole sections of the city were taken over by Antifa. Doesn't quite know. It's a a state of mind. See, this is the progressive mantra. I don't worry about those people. They don't really want to do great harm. No. And they're, they're not a threat. I'll tell you what. I know they're nuts on the right. I know that. There have been Nazi groups and Klan groups forever. Forever. And they're dangerous. Look at Oklahoma City. They're dangerous. They can hurt any, every American, but there's not many of them and they're pariahs. Okay. Everybody condemns them. Everybody in polite society, sane society condemns them. They have no constituency outside of Loonsville. They got no power. All right. No matter what the media tells you, frontline, they don't have any power. They're a bunch of people running around on the internet, hiding in their basement, they got guns, so you got to take them seriously, but you know the FBI is all over them. But Antifa, they're out burning down Portland, Oregon. Do you miss that? Jeez. Frontline. Pot. Marijuana. All right. Now, I get a lot of letters from people who enjoy marijuana. I don't care. As long as you're an adult and want to smoke marijuana in your house, knock yourself out. I was raised, went to school in the Vietnam era. There went marijuana everywhere. Did I care? No, nah, I didn't really care. I didn't hang out with the stoners. It was boring to me. The strobe light hurt my eyes. All right. Led Zeppelin and uh, what was it? In the, the Vida. I mean, enough already. I didn't need it. I liked fresh air. I didn't want smoke in my face. But if you do, if you like it, all right. Just don't hurt anybody. Don't get in your car. All right. Don't wander around in an in inebriated state to stay in your house. So now New York, uh, third largest state, third, fourth largest state in the country, in the country has legalized um, pot for recreational purposes. So this builds on the unbelievable disorder we have in New York City. So let's make it worse. this is Andrew Cuomo, the governor and Bill de Blasio, the mayor. I mean, these guys talk about Abbott and Costello. I mean, that's an insult to Abbott and Costello. These guys have destroyed the state and the city respectively. But let's make it worse. Let's have everybody smoking pot on the subways, in the buses. Let's do that. We only have eight and a half million people. Let's have a million of them lighten up. You can't even smoke cigarettes, but you can light up the pot. Go right ahead. Oh, my God. So again, if you're an adult, and you want to be stoned. Okay. All right. Don't call me up. I don't want to hang with you, but okay. But the kids, the kids, right? All right. So think back when you were a teenager, 12, 13 years old. Now it's even younger than that. My thug friends out in Levittown, we got Marlboros from older kids and we would sneak behind the stores and, and light them up and this and that i tried it twice it was ridiculous smoke in my lungs i mean i was an athlete so i didn't care anyway but i thought what is this? i never did it again all right and then beer beer it was everywhere a summer night here come the older kids selling or giving us the beer we're 12 13. that's been going on forever in this country it's been going on forever in all countries it just happens now you're going to introduce a powerful narcotic drug, marijuana, which is 10 times more powerful than it was at Woodstock. It's got all kinds of stuff in it. You can lace it with everything. Now you say, oh, the kids can get it anyway. That's true in some places. In my town here on Long Island, where I am, hard to get it. There are kids selling it, okay, but it's hard. And if the schools find out you have it or you sell it, you're in big trouble. So there's not kids hanging around smoking pot where I am. And I get around. Now, you go into Manhattan, and you see it more. But now you're going to see it everywhere. Okay? Kids 11, 12, 13 are going to get marijuana and they're going to use it. Boom, their childhood is over. Cuomo doesn't care. De Blasio doesn't care. The people in Colorado don't care. So their childhood's over. So what? Grow up. This is going to lead to a tremendous amount of problems. It has to. There's no way. So if you and your little world want to smoke pot and are happy it's legalized, okay, but you're not looking out for the kids. You're not. Know that. So in the United States now, there are 15 states, soon to be more, that are legalizing pot. They always say the same thing. Oh, we want the tax money. Well, you're going to spend a lot more tax money for putting kids in drug rehab. All right. And for drunk driving DUIs involving marijuana. And you don't even know a test for that yet. OK, so there are 15 states and the District of Columbia, of course, um, that have legalized marijuana. I want to bring in a guy who knows what he's talking about here. And I had to go all the way to Dublin, Ireland to find him. OK, his name is Dr. Bobby Smith. And uh, he's a clinical lecturer at Trinity College in Dublin. I was at Trinity a few years ago looking at the Book of Kells, one of the most um, amazing pieces of history in the world. Trinity is an excellent school. So the doctor has uh, studied marijuana and I'm gonna run down some of the things that he's talked about one by one. First doctor, thank you for coming and talk to us. It's uh, evening over in uh, Ireland, correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. What you, to be here about. Five hours ahead of us on the East Coast, yes. I think. Five hours, yeah. Okay. So you have reported that there's been a five-fold increase in 10th grade students using marijuana in the USA between 1991 and 2020. All right. 20 years about. fivefold increase. Why is that?
1: Um, I suppose no one knows exactly why. Um, Obviously, uh, as a European-based doctor, I'm inclined to look at your policies, your your cannabis policies in the United States, and they're very, very different to those in Europe. Uh, There was a big movement around medical marijuana, which started in the mid-1990s, and that probably softened up public opinion and perhaps teenage opinion towards towards cannabis. Uh, And that's obviously been followed by the legalization, uh, which started in Colorado in 2014. And certainly against that backdrop, you've seen this. Um, it's been a bit of an up-down journey uh, from the levels into 1991 to those seen in uh, 2020. But it is a fivefold increase in the number of teenagers, uh, 16-year-olds, who are smoking cannabis on a daily basis.
0: That's amazing. Now, I think it's safe to say that there isn't a stigma to smoking pot anymore in the USA. And I guess it's the same in Ireland as well.
1: Certainly it's reduced and it's like I'm quoting data from what's called the Monitoring the Future Survey, uh, which is done every year across the United States. Uh, And they also ask young people actually about their attitudes to cannabis, their perception of risk, whether or not they would disapprove of others. And disapproval ratings of other people smoking cannabis have dropped a lot uh, in conjunction with the increased use. So we see that globally, that as perception of risk goes down, use goes up.
0: Did you ever see the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Did you ever see that movie?
1: No, I'm afraid I didn't.
0: Okay, so that had Sean Penn as a guy named Spicoli and very popular here in America. Uh, And he was a stoner and his crew were stoners and they were in high school and they were funny. It was very funny. But the media's subliminal message in Hollywood, in the news and everything else is that pot's fine. There's nothing wrong with pot. If you're skeptical about it as I am, you're some kind of weird kook. That's the way it is here.
1: Yeah, and that's a narrative that's really common globally. Um, I, uh, my clinical job is a, I work in an addiction service for teenagers, and I started 18 years ago, and cannabis wasn't really, wasn't a big issue. Um, our concern back then were opiates, but cannabis now accounts for probably 70% of my work. And What's really shocked me about the problems I'm seeing amongst the young people I see, um, given this reputation of having been a chill out drug, is that the biggest problem that their families experience is anger, aggression, threats, intimidation from their previously placid, you know, content teenage son. Um, so that, that sort of mood instability and aggressive side of cannabis uh, that we see in our clinical work it has sort of blindsided me based on my expectations that I maybe had 15 years ago or so.
0: So it's not the mellow drug. Why are these kids angry? The kids that are coming to you for help. Why are they angry about why has their personality changed since they started smoking pot?
1: Um, I suppose the, the kids were seeing me are seeing me because they've lost control of their relationship with this drug. They're addicted to it. So some will be cycling in and out of withdrawals. We used to think cannabis-caused withdrawals. We now know it can and does. They're psychological. They're they're not as the same sort of physical withdrawals you get with heroin or with alcohol, but people get uh, unstable mood um, and problems like that. And having an addiction is stressful
0: um how common um, is marijuana addiction the the stat i have is a third of kids who use marijuana on a regular basis a couple of times a week get addicted to it is that accurate yeah
1: that that is accurate it's about one third Um, okay
0: so once you get addicted to it that means you need it you have to use it and then you're saying that that develops some kind of psychosis and your personality changes
1: uh, I wouldn't call it a psychosis. I would call it certainly for many of the young people, it's uh, uh, a, a, an increased liability to anger, uh, particularly actually with people closest to them, uh, as in their family. Uh, the issue around psychosis is certainly a concern um, um, for a, a smaller minority of young people. The research okay. which it-
0: Last question and, and I want you to put on your drug rehab hat here. In my house, we have no tolerance for drugs. So my kids can't use them and still live in the house. All right. They know that they don't use them. All right. Because we've had a lot of discussions and we discuss all of this. And the same thing with booze. Nobody's coming home drunk. Nobody's getting drunk. All right. I said, you want to do that when you're an adult, you go ahead, but you're not doing it here. It's my responsibility as a parent to keep you sober. And to keep you healthy in the best way I can and the best way I can is telling you, no, there'll be a severe sanction if you use drugs and alcohol. So far, that's worked for me. But am I on the right track here or should I be more understanding?
1: Uh, No, I would certainly encourage parents to have a high expectation that your kids make healthy choices and not engage in unhealthy behaviors. I mightn't be so fast to, say, kick them out of the house if they were to slip or mess up. Uh, I wouldn't kick them out.
0: Okay. I wouldn't kick them out, but there would be a sanction. All right. There would be absolutely uh, they'd have to go to talk to somebody like you. There would be privileges taken away, all of that.
1: That all makes sense to me, that I think it's good for parents to give a clear, unambiguous message that we think this is a, a dangerous, risky thing for you to do, and there's some consequence where people fall short of those expectations.
0: You know, I know parents who smoke pot in front of their kids, because it's pretty hard to hide it in the house with the smell. I know I know parents who do that. I think that's child abuse.
1: Um, certainly all the research indicates where the more substances a parent uses, the more likelihood that a kid is going to go down the same path and run into difficulty as well.
0: Thank you for helping us, doctor. We appreciate it. Say hello to all my pals over in Ireland, okay? Thank you. Thanks, Bill.
2: Hey, guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere.
0: Okay, let's, uh, let's go to Disney. So I do a message of the day. Some of you know that. I hope you all will read it every day. And today I asked a very simple question because I'm a very simple man. And the question was, is the Walt Disney Corporation the worst company in America? And then I wrote a little bit about what the Disney people are doing. I mean, I hate to really browbeat anybody, but this Disney Corporation, I'm just stunned. First of all, if you want to go to Disney World in Orlando or Disneyland in Anaheim, and you have two kids, family of four, and you want to go, it's going to cost you $500 a day, or more if you get Fast Pass, $500. And that's before you get a hot dog or a soda. And I hope you don't get the soda, okay? We'll talk about that later. But 500 bucks. So poor families and working- class families, they can't go. They're priced out. Now, you would think it would be some kind of way that Disney would come up with a program to make this affordable on certain days or in certain promotions for everybody? No. However, the guy in charge of experiences and products at the Disney parks. Josh D'Amaro. There's Josh. Hey, hey. doesn't he look like a trendy guy? Well, Josh is changing the rules about decorum at the park as far as his employees are concerned. Disney workers will allow, will be allowed, to have more gender-inclusive hairstyles, jewelry, nail styles, and costume choices. All right. What that means is that Annette can now dress up like Cubby and vice versa. Okay. And cast members will also be allowed to show appropriate tattoos. So Donald Duck will be able to have on his beak bound for hell or whatever Donald wants to have. Ducks are great. So tattoos and gender-fluid costumes are now allowed at Disney World and Disneyland. Bye-bye tradition. Bye-bye nice atmosphere, traditional atmosphere for little kids. Let's get those tattoos flowing. So this nut tomorrow, and nut is my opinion, okay? I, just my opinion. Okay. <laughs> Not maybe I should rephrase. I think I should. This guy Damara, he says, quote, inclusion is essential to our culture. Oh, it's so profound and leads us forward as we continue to realize our rich legacy of engaging storytelling, exceptional service and Disney magic. Now, Walt Disney, you know, I know it's a cliche, but he's got to be spinning, Right. Walt Disney, everybody. The Disney Corporation. Cancel culture. Fighting back at the University of Vermont. This is a great story. There is a professor there named Aaron Kinsvater. All right? And he is objecting to the University of Vermont attacking white people. Roll the tape.
2: The problem is, is that there's a new kind of discrimination on campus that's going on that I really feel that we need to talk about. And I think that everybody is afraid to talk about it. And this discrimination is against whiteness, that the same logic that informs what's currently being called whiteness right now can easily find its way to desperate persons who need a group to hate and who will adopt the suppositions that inform whiteness towards their own ends.
0: For that, there's a demand for that professor to be fired. You can't stick up for white people. So the Vermont University of Vermont Provost Patricia Prelock sent an email out saying, quote, We will continue to lean into, very good, lean into our diversity, equity and inclusion efforts and in so doing, create further opportunities to strengthen our community. We know there is anger, pain and sadness when the lived experience of individuals committed to inclusion are denied or diminished. Oh, very woke. Isn't that so woke? So anyway, they can't fire the professor. Kinsvater, because he got tenure. You no, know, he's protected, which is the only reason he could say that. But the petition is out for him to be fired. Okay? And a petition has gotten 3,435 signatures. All right? Let's fire the professor for making a very intelligent observation that if you hate white people, that's not going to be good. Okay? So, no, we want him fired. This is change.org does this, one of the most vile, vicious groups in America. But here's the good news at the University of Vermont. Sticking up for the professor are 4,502 petitioners. It's a petition sticking up for him, outnumbering the fired people. University of of Vermont, Burlington, Vermont, okay, Bernie Sanders territory. Okay, here's real culture. That was cancel culture. Real culture. Guess what the most successful movie of the year is so far? Guess. Ready? Roll tape. doesn't look too welcoming to me. I might need safe spaces watching that thing. Godzilla versus Kong made almost 400 million so far. (laughs) This day in history, April 14th, 1865, John Wilkes Booth shoots Abraham Lincoln. All right. The Ford Theater, Washington, D.C. Ford Theater is still there. You can go visit. Um, President Lincoln died the next morning. Wilkes Booth was a racist, a Confederate sympathizer, an actor, all right? After he shot Lincoln in the head at the Ford Theater, he jumped on the stage to try to escape. He broke his ankle, but everybody knew he did it. A manhunt ensued, the biggest manhunt in human history at the time. 10,000 people hunting for Booth, but he got away for 12 days until they found him in Virginia in a barn. And a police officer named Corbett Boston, Boston Corbett, Boston Corbett, uh, shot him and Booth died. Abraham Lincoln held on for a few hours, died the next morning. Abraham Lincoln, the greatest president in American history. So that was 156 years ago today. If you want to know everything that happened, including the hanging of a woman named Mary Surratt, killing Lincoln, I think this is the best book about Abraham Lincoln, the Civil War years, and the assassination. So you can order it. We'll give you 20% off if you want to read that on BillOReilly.com. Let's take a quick break. I have a final thought about your health, an extension of yesterday's thought that I think you're going to want to hear about. Right back. All right, let's do some mail. Uh, Brian Mason Brink, Neptune Beach, Florida. I don't understand where the disconnect in a black community is with police officers. If you do what you're told, you don't have to worry about getting shot. Look, Mason, I mean, Brian, I think I know you know this. African-Americans believe they are treated differently by law enforcement. The majority of African-Americans believe they are scrutinized, even if they're law-abiding, at a different level than whites. And that makes them angry. And I understand that because that's true. Steve Swineford, Lake Forest, California. is disappointed in your cavalier attitude, Bill, toward the Brooklyn, Minnesota police explanation of the fatal shooting. This was obviously, to me, a mistake, an accident, okay. It was a mistake. The police officers, as I said, didn't wake up and say I want to kill a black person. But I didn't have a cavalier attitude, so that's misreporting on your part, Steve. It was a mistake. But when you are empowered with the responsibility of having a deadly weapon and enforcing the law, you can't make fatal mistakes. You have to be held accountable for them. Chris Humpert, Glendora, California. If a suspect turns and runs, to get into his and her car. The main fear for a cop is not that they'll drive away. The main fear is that they could have a hidden weapon. Okay, but you can't use your weapon as a police officer on a fear. Okay, you have to be, use your weapon as a last resort. Betty, message board. About the view, I sincerely believe that Walt Disney would be ashamed. shame. God rest his soul. He brought us so much happiness. You're right. And that's part of what my beef is with the Disney company. Back to uh, the Minnesota case, Raymond Johnson. That police officer should never have fired at the person attempting to escape, even with a taser. He was about to drive away. And if he had been tased, we might have lost control of the vehicle while it was in motion. OK, so I know there's a lot of opinions, but let's all just wait and see what happens. Patricia Sturtevant, Manchester, New Hampshire. I received my vaccine over the weekend. The first thing I had to do was show my ID. Was that racist? No, this ID ruse is ridiculous. It's absurd. And most Americans understand you should have to show an ID in order to vote. Period. James Ross, Phoenix, Arizona. Do you think that voters in the deep blue states like California, New York, Illinois will ever get tired enough of the nonsense and vote out the progressives? Possible? but you would need strong leadership on the other side to make it happen. Possible. Carolyn, Bill, you're so right about people wasting tons of money on alcohol, eating out Starbucks. Come on, I like my coffee every morning, but it's a waste to spend $6 at Starbucks. Melinda Lewis, Kilmarnock, Virginia. Mr. O, I watch the No Spin News every day. Best honest news around. So happy to hear your good health report this evening. Thanks for the tips on sugar. More coming up in a final thought. I've got more tips for you. And Killing the Mob is out in less than three weeks. If you buy it on BillOReilly.com, pre-order, you'll get it first. And you get 50% off Chris- Killing Crazy Horse. And all my other books, 20% off in honor of Killing the Mob coming out. So this is Books-A-Palooza on BillOReilly.com. Word of the day. No balderdash, B-A-L-D-E-R-D-A-S-H, no balderdash, writing to the No Spin News. Bill at BillOReilly.com, Bill at BillOReilly.com, name name and town if you wish to opine. Right back.
3: a free quote by visiting Carshield online at carshield.com slash Carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with Carshield. Go to carshield.com slash Carlson and save 20% today.
0: Okay, so I got a lot of reaction to my sugar report. Um, just recapping, I, in the beginning of December, my doctor said, Hey, O'Reilly, your blood sugar's crazy. Uh, you might have diabetes going down the road if you, don't, if you keep this up. Knock the sugar out. I did. And yesterday I got my report and it was great. Blood sugar weighed down, suits fit better, complexion better, more energy, knocked out the sugar. And I told you how I did it. You can read, uh, you can see that, you premium members on BillO'Reilly.com, uh, anytime you want. Now, why am I doing this? Because I'm looking out for you. This is what has made me successful for four decades, because I'm not here for me. I'm here for you, and one of the keys to life as you get older is staying healthy. If your health breaks down, it's gonna be hell. It's gonna be hell on you and the people who love you. If you are taking anything bad, tobacco, if you're over-drinking, anything, nothing. Sugar is hidden these cokes and soft drinks and fruit juices and iced teas loaded with it okay cereal bread look you can cut it down 80% without any sweat i did it and i can tell you i feel a lot better now i want the same for you when you buy any product look at the label see how many grams of sugar is contained in the product. You can always find a better product. I told you trio drinks taste just as good as the sugar drinks. Skinny dip desserts and snacks are just as good as the snacks that are loaded. You don't have to be a fanatic. You can have ice cream once in a while and all that. Just cut it down. Looking out for you. See you tomorrow.